What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Marcelo, <laughs> Marcelo Macedo, or Marcelo Masado, Marcelo Marcedo. Uh, he he gives us the pro, uh, the proper enunciation. Uh, he was in town via Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, also via Portland first uh, before he came down here. Uh, he was working on the Forest for the Trees mural project with the Hellion Gallery and a fellow named Gage, who I just made friends with on Facebook, but I don't know yet. But yeah, so they did this cool project up there, which is really strange because Portland has had this moratorium on murals for a while. So we talk about that a little bit. Um, the opening, uh, producer Lex and I just get down for the first 20 minutes and shoot the shit about some fucking modern day shit. And then Marcelo joins us about the 20 minute mark. Uh, he was uh, what I would like to call on Brazilian time. He he actually hit some traffic on the way over here, and which might it's a pain in the ass to get to the live free studios. But it, I figure I talk about it, I say Brazilian time is just late, but I realize that Brazilian time is actually just being really excited about the thing that you're doing or like really engaged in what you're doing that you forget about the other things that you're supposed to be doing maybe, and I I. I say that because we, we spoke for a good hour after the podcast was done, after we stopped recording, which I should have really recorded. I don't, I don't know why I didn't, but we just shot the shit and talked about art and the whole thing uh, afterwards. And it was funny. He, he actually told me a story that I, when I was showing my work with the shooting gallery in San Francisco, uh, I had did this series of... of um, what I referred to as portraits, but they were like landscapes. But I did these paintings of uh, of churches and windmills and the, these sorts of things. The gallery owners had told me that a Brazilian couple had randomly picked up a flyer somewhere, one of the shops that they were in, or saw something that the flyer for the show, and peeked their head in, which the gallery was like closing down or something, but somebody was in there. And saw a piece that they really loved, even though they didn't know me at all, or I don't think they really knew about the gallery. I'm not even sure what their relationship with art was, but um, so they ended up buying this piece, and it it was it was a fairly expensive piece too. And turns out, uh, it was Marcelo's parents who happened to see it and buy it. So like super random. And then he told me later that uh, his brother was at a house. Uh, here in San Diego somewhere, and he took a photo of like like this big bearded fellow that I painted on somebody's wall in their kitchen or something, and uh, so his family has all had some sort of connection with me throughout the last like six years. It's very strange, and uh, so it was it was rad to have him in studio to sit down and talk. I have a show coming up at the new gallery in San Diego called the low gallery i'm doing a two-person show with ali good the show is called well and good you could find all the information on my blog or on my facebook and my twitter at mike maxwell art everywhere hopefully this uh i'll get this show up here it's tuesday today the show is this saturday from 7 to 10 it's on 30th street if you're in the San Diego area and are into the shit that I do, please come out and check it out. I would appreciate it. So yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, make sure you go follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow Marcelo on Twitter at 
Marcelo Macedo. That's M-A-R-C-E-L-O-M-A-C-E-D-O-03. And that's on Twitter. And you can find his uh, his website is the same, but with a dot com. And I think the Facebooks and all that stuff is also the same. If you want to get any more information, go to MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the blog. You can click on the podcast link and get all the, the deets on everybody. If you want to donate some dough, drop a dime or a nickel. Um, you can do that via PayPal over there. There's some links and some things you could do. Uh, if you want to rate the show, do that. Um, you know what it is. All right. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, with all that said... Without further ado, Mr. Marcelo Macedo. All right, here we go. Uh, very special episode today. Yeah. Uh, it's always nice to have producer Lex in the house. What's up, producer Lex? What's going on, man? Um, Marcelo, and we, yeah, let's start. So we don't know how to pronounce our guest that's coming in yeah. soon. I, uh, I, at first, when you told me the name and you spelt it out, I immediately thought it was a, the C was a K sound. Okay, let's so spell my- it for the people. It's M-A-C-E-D-O. I'm saying, what do we say? Masado? Masado? Yeah. Masado? That, that was what you were saying. And then but I'd- sometimes, okay, so our, our dude's from Brazil, um, mm-hmm. so sometimes they have like that hard C, so mm-hmm. it's like Machado. Let me yeah. Look at it. Like the C becomes a CH sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, which is maybe the actual mix of the Spanish and French together. It could be. Because that language has so much, uh, so many Span. Look, I can't even speak English. <laughs> fucking dumbass. You talk about different languages. I know. Like, oh, here, I'm going to fucking sound smart and talk about a language <laughs> that I don't know anything about. No, it, it's from, ju- from jiu-jitsu. Uh, yeah, yeah. Portuguese gets spoken. And you know what's really weird? Is even when I was in high school, I I've always had this um this capability of sort of understanding different languages somehow, yeah. like finding the root words, and I, I w- I've always been really interested in. Uh, now let's see if I can enunciate this word etymology, uh-huh. which is the study of where words words come from. Yeah, the sure. origins, and, and stuff. I may be fucking in, uh, pronouncing that wrong too. So no, you have it right. I, uh, I took a class just on that shit, and they were talking about how. Um, English is, they're gl- they're really glad like scholars and stuff are really glad that English prevailed over the old English because that shit was a fucking train wreck. Yeah, it's weird looking, like, and that's like what's Diggle cool. and like I don't know, like the DGs, like gen- like gents and stuff like that. It's weird. There's a there's a website online called etymology.com mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck, and you can get to see all the words where they came from. Um, like it'll give the the proto proto Germanic. Uh-huh. You'll get the old English, you'll get the Latin, you'll get all the different ways that the words have been formed together. Yeah. And it's really fucking interesting. You know what's crazy? For Latin being a dead language, there's sure a lot of roots still yeah. like, in everything. And pretty much, like you said, it, if it's not just by uh, your movement you were talking to me about, like reading someone's movement while they're speaking in a different language, yeah. there is something that clicks when you hear somebody, like unless they're talking really fast. But I, I think... Most of the time, if if it's really tonal, like I can't understand it. Yeah, I, without like real like pronunciations of yeah, the breaks well, no, in the word, there, no pronunciations. There's no uh-huh. uh, emotion. What's that comedian's name who does stand up like that? Just straight deadpan. He's a he's a Boston guy. He's been in all the movies. 
he's he was the guy on the couch in uh, the uh, Dave Chappelle stoner movie have baked yeah i dude i don't know well steven wright steven Steven wright okay yeah i got that without even looking it up (laughs) but so like in high school i had this history class where the teacher knew like six different languages and he would put up like a phrase on the board Mm. on the chalkboard write something out and if somebody like figured it out by the end of the class they got like an extra point or something, whatever the fuck. Like, yeah. Like something goes like some towards... some extra credit or something. Yeah, like yeah, so whatever. Goes to your lowest grader. And, like, I was a terrible student because I didn't really give a fuck. Like, I was just, like, I, I was just bored all the time. Yeah. And so I would never do homework and, like, I wouldn't get, really give a shit about tests. Like, I just didn't care. But he would do these things and I would always figure the puzzle out somehow. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't know the languages and even I took Spanish, but... I had said I was so terrible at Spanish too. Like, it, I had this one Spanish teacher where everybody else sat in you know the regular kids' desks. Yeah, you know the little fucking arm thing and the yeah. chair and the little deal. Well, at the back of this class, there was a huge table with like drawers. It was an old teacher's table or yeah. like a teacher's assistant table or something. And I really liked the table. Like it, it seemed like all like official, like sitting behind like a judge's bench or something. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit at that chair and just made the decision and became very dominant yeah. to where I was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to sit back here in this chair. <laughs> so you can imagine if I had that much... Uh, strength, like yeah. that much power over a grown woman teacher, that I probably wasn't going to do the fucking. You know what's crazy is that you mentioned that is that um, I remember when I was in mid in junior high, there was a table and they used to call it Siberia. It was all the way in the back of the class, but I remember when I look back at what I did in junior high as, in third person, I used the table as a figurative wall. To to block everybody yeah out. to block everybody out and just yeah. to be like whatever teacher just like what you did it just like s- made such a connection like I throw spit wads up on the ceiling you know what I ended up doing I turned it into an entrepreneurial <laughs> expedition <laughs> because I had so many big drawers in yeah, the thing yeah. I charged people to keep their books in there oh, so they hilarious. could keep their book in there and not have to like go to their locker and get the book before they could just come to me oh. like I, they would give me like a buck or something that's hilarious yeah, man. Yeah, and then it would like, and then it became a punishment for me to not be allowed to sit at the. Oh, I sound like it almost sounds like the dunce table, right? And yeah. now I'm remembering it back, like going like, "Oh, that was probably you being put there because you were a pain in the ass." But yeah. no, like I really like I took over the place. <laughs> so you just straight up squatted. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I can't. I, it's hard for me to imagine now the shit that I got away with as like a shitty little teenager. But to me, it all made sense in my head at the time. Yeah. I had this one, I had an English class that was the period just before lunch. And I, I, to this day, I can't deal with waiting in lines. It just makes me fucking crazy and I get angry and act dumb. Especially with your post from Starbucks for the dude. Dude, let me tell you about (laughs) Starbucks this morning. Remind me to tell you. Okay. okay? Let me tell you about Starbucks this morning. (laughs) And so. I didn't want to wait in line to get lunches because it was fucking, it took forever. Like half your lunch would be wasted waiting in line to get food. And I was always buying food at school. And so I sat at the back, again, at the back of the, I was in a desk like everybody else. Yeah. But I was towards the back of the row. I would wait till like three minutes before the bell was going to ring when the teacher closed her or like went in her little office or like had her back to me. Yeah. I would, 
the door was always there was a back door because it, it was like a portable sort of setup. So okay. it had a door at the front and a door at the back. And I would just sneak out the door like three minutes early before lunch went off. And it got to a point where like I ended up being allowed to do it. Like I would give the teacher like an eye movement, like uh, I'm gonna bounce now. And she somehow understood and allowed me to deal with it. And I even like there was a like one of the we would have the snack shacks. Yeah, yeah. You know? So not necessarily cafeteria stuff, it'd be other shit that the, they would have satellite spots to sell shit. And that was right outside one of the right outside that door. Oh yeah. One. So I would sneak out there, pay the lady, and then come back in. And as soon as my shit was ready, I would just grab it and go. Oh, shit. As soon as the bell rang or whatever. Like, I I pulled all kinds of weird little scams like that in high school that I seemed... If I was an adult and I seen a teenager, I'd be like, you little fuck. Like, fuck you. Stop this shit. Get the fuck in the chair and shut the fuck up. Learn about fucking life, asshole. Yeah, Uh, man. That's so crazy. So what happened at Starbucks this morning? Oh, so... Dude... (laughs) I I was a little bit in a hurry today because I, I had to get a bunch of shit done before we sat down to do the podcast. And um, I went to Starbucks this morning to get some espresso. And there's one person, two people in front of me. There's mm-hmm. a woman and like probably like a 20-year-old kid with her. Uh, and then like an older dude behind them and then me. Not busy in Starbucks, nothing. I look over and I see that the girl at the register is looking at a full sheet of paper. And mm. I see the full sheet of paper being handed back to the customer. Oh, gosh. It is covered in drink orders. Oh, an entire God. sheet, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper filled. Her receipt, I, I'm, and as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, this is some bullshit. So I do like the, I went like, Oh, Jesus. Like, loud enough for everybody to hear. The dude in front of me turned around and looked and was like, gave me the eye like, oh, you're going to freak out right now, aren't you? I don't know if I can deal with this. He bounces. He calls it quits. He's like, I'm not even going to deal with this shit. So so I'm like, <sighs> like, do it, like, tapping my foot. Yeah. Like, what was that, um, uh, that cartoon, like, Bugs Bunny cartoon they had the little space martian and he would like oh, tap marvin the martian yeah, yeah he'd tap his foot when he was all he's all fucking <laughs> impatient so the lady looks at me she knows that i'm not happy with this situation yeah and so i'm like i'm like i'm gonna make sure that i get ahead of this fucking curve here so i call out to one of the dudes that knows me at the starbucks i'm uh-huh. like hey i don't want to wait in line for 60 drinks to come out can you make my stuff ahead of theirs just loud and obnoxiously yeah because they know they know that i'm not gonna put up with no shit yeah over yeah, there. yeah and he's like yeah like and in this is a spot dude the the this workers be- there are so good like i usually get my drink before i'm even to the like counter like they all have their shit together and they take care of it nice but the one issue like i went to this other starbucks and made a fucking big scene because i'm like you motherfuckers need to like regulate somebody okay so this lady bought fifty four dollars worth of drinks motherfucker dude fifty four dollars one lady one lady and a 20 year old dude with jesus motherfucker dude th- do you know uh, how that's it is was, that like are they are they buying coffee for like the the business in this in that little uh area they're buying it for a group of people somewhere that's what it because always i is. could never see someone buy that many fucking drinks and then go in a fucking dollars. car yeah they were stacking the, oh, the trays the trays were stacked. Oh. But 
I just want to just push them over. But they got so much respect at this one that they my drinks were made before all their shit oh, got done. Okay, like they took care of me. They like so. But I've gone to other ones where they're just like, "Sorry, you have to wait." And I'm like, "Fuck you, fuck this person, fuck everybody in here." And I like make a big fucking scene. Yeah, I almost made it. And what I told the people, I was like, "Listen." You guys are the ones getting fucked. The workers are the ones getting fucked. And the people in line behind these people are the ones that are getting fucked. And you got to do something. Somebody has to decide that this is not... Well, yeah, it's not you, acceptable have, for the group at whole. Like, yeah. they should have to order half of their drinks and get back in line. Because they cause a huge fucking line. And then they back up. There's, have you ever worked in the food industry? Yes, I have. That was my first job ever. Uh, me too. And I worked a bunch of restaurants. Like, I every job do, in restaurants. <laughs> Technically, and, yeah, right. <laughs> in, some, in some form, but like, there's a thing called stacking the line. Yeah, where waiters and waitresses can't go to all their tables, get all their orders, and then bring them back to the co- back to the cooks and just stack them all up on the thing because yeah, it kills the cooks. They have to co- they have to take an order, bring it back, go to the next spot, take an order, bring it back, and they can't do a bunch and then you know because it ruins everybody's business. Yeah, and so that's exactly what happens when somebody comes in and orders drinks for 32 people. Instead of those 32 people waiting in line and having to be one right after the other, yeah. it's all bottlenecked. It's, those are the same people that cause traffic. These motherfuckers should Assholes be calling do in something for that stupid. stuff like that. And right. then say, come in and pick it up later. So I'm surprised they don't do that now. At some point, that has to be management. God, this is probably not the... Most interesting podcast, but maybe everybody feels <laughs> Dude, this way everybody, too. Maybe no, this is interesting because Starbucks. I'm really interested about your about your fucking freakouts at Starbucks because oh, I, dude, I, there's I, been so many. Oh, it's man, so dude. embarrassing for me. I freak out at the oh man, just getting in line to clock in for work. I freak out at that because so <laughs> you know I told I told him I was like, listen, you guys need to fucking I, the late like the uh, assistant manager maybe yeah, yeah. Or whatever. I was like, you guys need to be the ones that make a decision. None mm-hmm. of I could sit back here and bitch all day, but it isn't going to change anything. Yeah, it's just going to be me talking shit and acting like an asshole, <laughs> or you guys can do something, right? Yeah, yeah. But at what point are they going to be like, no, we're not going to accept fifty four dollars? The door. It might have been me. Let's see. Oh, it was probably you. I'm hearing things. My seat's a little. My seat's a little creaky. Sorry. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, so I, I do this thing when I get really fucking frustrated and uh-huh. mad. My bottom lip tightens up. I don't know <laughs> if anybody else experienced it, and it's totally inadvertent. I can't do anything about it. It just it, It's like my <laughs> lips tighten to my teeth. And <laughs> it's really either the point where I'm either going to explode yeah. or attack or like just cry about something. Like It's one of those things. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. And I, like. I can't even stop it. Like so, when I get really mad, my whole face just gets tight. It feels like a fighting thing, like yeah. where everything's just kind of like tensing up and like getting like prepared. Yeah. I have this whole where I um, clench really hard with your teeth get... together. Yeah, yeah. My teeth unfortunately don't go together. Is that? We... I wonder how many people experience that too. Because my jawline is so fucked up. Yeah, none of my teeth actually. I used line to be like properly. that. I used to have when my uh, wisdom teeth they were impacted, so it was fucking up my, the lining of the other teeth, and so I couldn't close my mouth fully until I got them all ripped out. And then I had extra supernumeraries, whatever they're called, like they came out at the sides, and they pulled those out because they were fucking up the teeth line. Yeah. Until this day, I still have. I think it's uh, the r- left side is 
somehow off from the right side, so my jaw sits crooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I feel like having like a or it thin jaw from getting hit when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I, I did. Um, my sister was like, what's it like a brownie? What's the the Girl Scout thing? Girl Scouts is brownies, like whatever the young one was. My sister did that, and my mom was like one of the the head ladies, or like she's like a teacher, den mother, or whatever like it was. Yeah, and they did it at my elementary school and at the in, in the auditorium. So. When I would go, like, they had the meetings there. I would go. It would be, like, after school, so I'd just wait for them to get done, and then we'd go home. But I would fuck around on the stage because, yeah. like, I could go through the whole, like, audio equipment section because oh, it was okay. empty. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'd go creep around and see all the shit. And, like, I guess it was probably, like, me and a friend were there, and we were sliding back and forth across the stage, like, trying to be, like, Pete Rose, you know? <laughs> like, sliding into home base or whatever. Uh. And... On the back side of the stage, there was a fire exit that had double doors. And it was the type of double doors that had the metal rod that you pushed in yeah. to open the doors. Well, I went sliding too far. Like, didn't judge the situation properly as a fucking, like, a like, seven-year-old. I like how you said, like, you didn't judge it. Like, you, you were totally thinking that when you were seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, here's the Just distance. Like, do the math on it. Like, the whole equation. And so I fucking... <laughs> Did ultra Pete Rose, like, head first, hands out in front of me, into the double doors, which pushed them wide open, flew out, you know, like, a, a pretty standard elementary school stage. is probably, like, three and a half feet, yeah, maybe yeah. four feet off the, the ground. Well, out the, the fire exit was two sets of really low s- stairs. Uh-huh. So, it kind of, it was like a drop-off from the stage, like, three feet then there was a, like a little drop off and then a set of stairs. Yeah, yeah. I went right out the fucking door, like fucking <laughs> more probably like uh, like Ricky Henderson would probably be more accurate, oh, like totally. on like a grip of speed. Yeah, and fucking <laughs> face planted right into the stairs and my jammed like my front two teeth right up into my situation. Oh, so like right out the gate, like I just fucked up my whole grill. But I think my. Uh, my the thinner jaw, I feel like it has a better punch taking capability. Like we think, like big jaws are are like, uh, you know, like big cavemen like can take punches better. No, but I my thinking is like let's say you have a wishbone, and the uh-huh. wishbone is arched like a really far arch. It doesn't yeah. take a lot to like bend and yeah. move it around. But if you have a wishbone that's really thin, where the bones are really close together, it it has a little bit more structure. Where if you start to pull it apart, it takes a little bit more yeah pressure a little to more do resistance. so. Yeah, a little right? more resistance for it. Yeah. I'm checking the phone real quick to see if uh, our boy from Brazil he's on uh, Brazilian time, <laughs> which is natural. What is that? What is that? There's a there's a thing where they say it's like Hawaiian time and then Brazilian time. And yeah, I, I, I think that's. I'm just, not a it's fan when late. they say Mexican time. Was like, like, bro, like you know, chill out because Mexicans get, get up early as fuck. Yeah, I was like, they're probably. Is that me. racist to say that? Sorry. I didn't, no, 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 <laughs> no, dude. It, I don't really care. Like, I don't really fall into that category nah, nah, anymore. I'm just and it's weird because my wife hates when I when I do that because like I don't fall into that category. That doesn't pertain to me. I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah. So, um, of of of, of on the side of her, like she's first generation, and I'm like third. So there was a there was a transition point there that yeah I didn't there's have a to, gap I didn't have to experience it yeah. and so I did grow up a little different 
But um, what was I saying? Back to back to that. It's like it's so weird when you say like, oh, it's like when they say oh Mexican time, you know Hawaiian time, which. Hawaiian time is fucking true as shit, and it's a motherfucker when you're trying to get a snow cone in Hawaii at, like, fucking 9 in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, because they don't show up until, like, 12. Man, I want to go. I've never been to Hawaii. Oh, dude, it's it's so... It's nice, dude. It's... I can see why they call it paradise, but there's a lot of things that you see. It's just like anywhere. Um... But they have like a real drug problem and stuff like that. And you... Even like in the nicest places, you can see it. And that's kind of like... It was... How would you say it was like the I don't know the kid under stairs type effect? Like it's so nice, but then you see this other side. It's like a direct uh, contrast right in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I I hear a lot of Brazilians joke about Brazilian time, which just means late. Yeah, it means, it means like twenty minutes late. late. I sometimes I'm, do it, but sometimes I, I don't like, at all, man. I'm so fucking punctual. It sometimes it makes me mad at myself. <laughs> I'm always like three minutes early. I used to be that that half an hour early and just like be that weirdo that chills outside for a little bit. Yeah, that's me. And then all of a sudden, I just stop caring because yeah. I and it goes like for like you know social gatherings and stuff like that. I'll I'll, I'll be, be the first one there. Yeah, and they're yeah, they're like, what I the fuck? Like. And it's like really awkward when you go in, and they're like, oh, we're just fix. Just you know, doing last minute preparations or like you know, just setting up something, and just like, yeah. just like, hey, standing around watching them, and they're like, this motherfucker could have came like five minutes late or something, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it sucks to be the first person to show up somewhere. I try not to do that one. I even at like art shows, which I got an art show coming up uh-huh. on the seventh of September, which this will be out before then. I'm pretty sure. Um. Like, I used to not show. I, I used to not want to show up to my art shows until there was at least like five or six people in the gallery, oh, like hanging out, yeah. or like a couple groups of people or whatever. But I think that's kind of bad business. I've been trying to think about gallery work in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Except, I don't know. Like, I, I I feel like that was like the that's the norm, like the norm, the normal stereotype. Like you don't come out until there's people there, and then you can flag them in instead of yeah, just sitting there. It, but it's all, it's like a weird sociological thing. Like, it's not, it's not because you have to. But in reality, like, I, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's like, gallery shows are really more about business than it is about the party. Like, in, mm-hmm. through my 20s, it, it felt like, okay, I just got a bunch of work done, let's celebrate. Oh, As okay. opposed to like it's like one last day of business and you could celebrate afterwards. And I've been oh. I've been thinking about that a lot like for this show coming up. Like maybe I should be more business like as opposed to more like fuck it like. Yeah. But I don't know. And then at what point does that do you change your personality? How would you, yeah, how would you do, go? do you act different? Do you market yourself? Do you do you try to fucking like car salesman people? Like yeah, that's you, exactly what I'm. Do you have say. the sociological experience? Yeah. Like I was, or do you utilize like game theory? Do you yeah. like try to get into people's heads? Like you know, like an illusionist. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do you do? Do you try to play like you're fucking cooler than school so that like people will will think you're more valuable because you're popular. Yeah, yeah. What it's like I just wrote a, a new bio yesterday. Oh, you did? And I, I got to write mine for the website. It's I'm, so Oh, I'm, that's right. I I didn't even add anything about the podcast. I'm such a dick. Dang it. I got to put that in there now. I got to redo it. What? Well, I, that I the doing this fucking silly ass podcast. I didn't oh. put that into the bio. I just did an art bio. Oh, okay. I was I was high. <laughs> 
<laughs> wrote out like through, usual through yeah <laughs> the stars story the planets align just right yeah just perfectly so uh what's up with you i guess uh i heard you guys did a miley cyrus podcast yeah which is obviously a burnt out topic yeah it was well basically we can talk about syria too should we get serious Everyone's been using that stupid pun. Is that a pun? Serious? Oh, are you serious? That yeah. bullshit, man. You know what? This is this is my thing. I was fucking laughing my ass off during that performance. It was. I thought it was completely funny. Well, maybe I. I. You, it didn't really bother me. It was tongue in cheek, right? It yeah. looked like she was clowning on herself. People don't. People uh, for people who don't know, like for the art crowd, um, Reese, uh, the artist Todd. Uh, I know his graffiti name is Reese. Is Todd James? Ah. I think Todd James, uh, whatever his fucking name is, his graffiti name is Reese. He designed the bears that were on her her oh, outfit, okay. and the bears like did the stage set. So he's friends with Cause, who did all of the the skulls and all the the set design yeah, yeah. for the VMAs. And I bet those guys were probably, they, you know, they probably don't care that much, but uh, like I bet they thought, you know, that they were gonna get some hype, and they get this fucking. <laughs> big fucking hoopla about Miley Cyrus shaking her ass around, and you know what I find really funny? I and I don't know. You probably don't want to beat a dead horse since you already had up. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But fucking, I find that a lot of the women who were talking shit about it were mostly upset, even though they might not say it. It seemed to me that they were mostly upset by her hypersexuality. There's some issues where people want her to still be Hannah Montana because they've seen her grow up to this. And I wonder if this happens in for for women who grow up in the spotlight as teenagers. Uh-huh. That transitional phase from when they're like even we saw it with Britney Spears, uh, the way she, that she went from like I guess she was always kind of a little hypersexualized, but you saw the the shift as she hit eighteen, like yeah. to even go more hypersexualized, or like Christina Aguilera. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, wonder but I don't you, get it. She's like twenty one, so yeah, it's okay. Like she's allowed like, to have so, sex with whoever she wants. She can fucking shake her ass. Yeah. The See, thing is, is that that show seems like it. Like I, I made a mention about how. Remember when grown men made uh, music, popular music? Like, oh yeah, like Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel and like uh, you know seal or yeah. whatever like you know men in their 30s and 40s used to make popular music yeah but now everybody's like 12 and 13 i made a great post and i was really proud of it oh, you, you, just, <laughs> you just put the stamp of approval on your own thing yeah but since i've trolled so much i've trolled so much no one fucking paid attention like oh this motherfucker i said that the vmas and reddit forums now have a distinct similarity from the beginning. In what way? What in the you... beginning, like the weird... I don't look at Reddit that much, okay, so explain well, to... For someone who doesn't look at Reddit. The worst shit on the internet that you can find that's like really disturbing, funny, creepy, uh, sexual, is on Reddit. And like educational shit and all that yeah, stuff, whatever. Yeah. So you can find the most fucked up, twisted memes on Reddit, and people talk the fucking biggest loads of shit, but they tell you to cite your sources, so you get flagged and stuff. Yeah. And like you're on this karma system. But that beginning of uh, Miley Cyrus is like she was dancing with teddy bears and shit like that, and like weird, extreme like sexuality. It looked like molestation type. Did you see all the posts about the exploitation of black people? Ah, dude, and you know, over sexualization of black women. I'm just talking about exploitation of 
There was a couple articles, which brings up the ratchet thing that we oh, were talking fuck about. Fuck that just word, before. dude. So, so we decided that the the origin of because we didn't really. <laughs> I don't understand exactly what the how the term correlate. I know what it means. Yeah, but I don't. I refuse to get get on board with it. It's something I'm not gonna. Should we look up okay. the Urban Dictionary term for it? Sure. Let's see. I'm going to look it up. Uh, okay, so I'll, so we've decided that we know where the term came from. At least we think we know we know the etymology, right? Back to, back yeah, to the yeah. etymology. So I'm thinking that... Let's let's hear the definition first. You got it yet? Okay, so this is urban... It's floating right now. Okay, so Ratchet, a diva mostly from urban cities and ghettos that has a reason to believe she's every man's eye candy. Unfortunately, she's wrong. Uh. <laughs> Perfect, Perfect timing. timing. What's up, brother? What's going on? Hey, come on in. We already started. You can just jump right in. Yeah, How are you? Come on. How you doing, buddy? What's up? No, I'm still yeah, just, uh, sorry about that. Oh, no worries. And then I got traffic. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, coming down the five? Or yeah, the... Accident. Yeah. Oh, really? Accident. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, come on in. You can have a seat in the... Uh... Oh, nice. Yeah. We're getting some gifts here. Lucky nice. me. <laughs> Dang. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. You just make these? Yeah. Come on, come in and have a seat. Yeah. You want some water or something? No, I'm fine. You good? Yeah. Okay. We just started talking for a little bit about whatever. Uh-huh. Huh? Minotaur. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I wore the right shirt today. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right. Can you hear me okay? Everything good? Got it now? Yeah. All right. All right. Marcelo, so first of all, right out the gate, we don't know how to enunciate your last name. We don't know how to pronounce it. Macido. Macido. Yeah, Macido. Okay, so the enunciation, it's it's heavy on the E. So we were saying Macedo. Yeah, Macedo is in Portuguese. I think it's... Macedo is in Portuguese, like the spelling. Uh huh. Yeah, Macedo. So, um, let's start like just where you came from. You're you're you you just came down from Portland, right? You were up there painting some murals. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, last year I was invited to make a show with Helion Gallery. Mm-hmm. And Which Matt he's been on the podcast a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and it it was pretty good. The, the exhibition was good. And this year, the, the Gage and Matt, they, they were organizing a like, mural event. And they asked me if I, if I, could, if I could come to make it, make it happen. And actually, I have, I have a brother that lives in San Diego. Yeah, which yeah, I think is... I, I've been seeing your work for a long time. Yeah. And I feel like the first stuff I saw was like some little walls that you painted up in Most North County. Like, I, I feel like some of your fish heads were around. Like, or I saw something <laughs> and it, it caught my eye. And I've been trying to figure out, you know, I know that I saw that, but I know that I had seen your work elsewhere before too. Even though we've never met before, this is the first time we've met. Yeah, cool. And But we've been talking on the internet a little bit. Uh, it works like. Like uh, I never got this. This first of all, I like to paint, you know, mm-hmm. and paint outside too. 
And when my, my brother came to, to live in, in San Diego, uh, he got married with an American girl and mm-hmm. a nephew in the middle. And Which California is like little Brazil right now. There's yeah. a lot of Brazilians here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. San Diego, ex- uh-huh. for sure. And then I, I came to visit him first time in California, and I fell in love. Like, really like it, you know? Like, yeah. the weather was similar to Rio de Janeiro. Uh-huh. Like and that's where you, you grew up in Rio? Yeah, yeah. I born in Rio, and my whole life I spent in Rio. And I started painting in Rio. There's kind of, uh, um, in Brazil, there's kind of a generation that likes to paint outside. Yeah, it seems like the last 20 years, there's been a real abundance of creativity coming out of there. I know, like, probably as early as, like, 99, I was already seeing Ostremio stuff. Yeah. You know, I think, like, on art crimes and on, like, the early graffiti websites and stuff. And I... I talked to them a couple times when they were just only doing street stuff, and that was it. Because I wanted, I wanted to try to get some of their work into San Diego at some point. Yeah, but, nice. But um, at that time, it was just only street stuff. So nice. But since then, you know, there's a, a, a blossoming scene, right? Yeah, uh, I think there's a, a lot of American culture inside of the of this. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have uh, a different approach. Uh, maybe that because we didn't have the the materials, you know, the tools yeah. that it has yeah. here. Maybe we we trying to because it was so strong the hip hop thing, you know, in Brazil in the nineties, like the end of the eighties. Do you think that's what brought in the creative side, like working like with graffiti and yeah, of course, and, of course, you know, like break the dancing and the break whole. dancing and the graffiti scene and like the music stuff that the mo- the movement was kind of movement how did that get picked up how did it how did it translate from say probably new york to brazil what do you yeah. know what that connection is i know the connection is like there's a a famous tv in brazil um, and everybody watch the this tv mm-hmm. this channel Channel 4, it was Channel 4 at that point. Uh, and they use it to play a lot of movies from Hollywood. Oh, okay. So that's why we, like like you said, it caught my eyes. Like, I, I started, like, uh, recording VHS, you know, trying mm-hmm. to freeze and copy, you know, yeah. the letters. Because I it felt like the skateboard scene, you know, to the music... Yeah. Bands from outside Brazil, all these 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 things has a like a, a cu- visual culture, you know. There's a something that connects all all and youth. It's very young, yeah. you know. So I think it's uh, most of the artists like Ojemios and the first generation that came, they were the same history, you know. They 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 were cut by by these movies and this information that came. It was very ha- rare, yeah. you know? And so we see that on a sort of um, larger level now with the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it yeah. makes it, everything becomes worldwide. So you were able to just go paint in Portland. Yeah. Uh, they, they, it was, um, what is it, Something for the Trees? Yeah, Forest for the Trees. Forest for the Trees. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's really interesting because I think, not the last time I was in Portland, but the time before that, 
I know that the city had a big moratorium on murals that they wouldn't allow businesses to paint murals on anything. Yeah. So I found that it was really interesting that you guys were able to, to, make, to yeah. make so many murals have this big project, which becomes it seems like it's becoming more and more acceptable to out people outside of the scene. Yeah. Due to like all these festivals that are happening where people large groups of artists are getting together and painting on the street and doing little shows. It seems it's still, I feel like it's still somewhat segregated in, in terms of mainstream, but, you know, just the fact that Portland is a city that's pretty artistically, like a big artistic community. So it doesn't, like, it strikes me more weird that they weren't allowed to do it before. It's yeah. such a free place. Yeah. But so, do you know anything about that? Did, like, did anybody talk about that? How they, all of a sudden they're allowed to paint 10 murals? Like, like you said, like, the internet is making all these things happen. Yeah. Like, for me, travel back in time in Brazil, like, for a Brazilian guy, go outside Brazil and do exhibition. With, with my age, like, 30 years old, was almost impossible, you know? Sure. There was a lot of things that uh, didn't make, uh, couldn't make it happen, you know? Yeah. Like, the language, like, was hard to to learn English yeah. back in time uh, to the the airplane was expensive the tickets was so expensive it was only for rich people really rich people yeah. so I think I was talking with like old guy old artists from Brazil like the old generation and the guy said man you should uh, give value about this thing that you are going you know you you are be able to travel around and this is not that expensive you you can you can figure out you know yeah and back in time it was al almost impossible so i think there is a, a a window a new open window so did for, was that like a, a early conversation you had like when you started making things yeah or no, was that already already along the way no i think it 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 started to happen like natural you know yeah and but I I really I really uh, I really felt that it was happening you know you know with me yeah. like I felt like oh there's some guys in Europe that know about my 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 work and they like you know yeah, so right. it's kind of weird but I think more and more like with music bands and everything the world the world became smaller you know well is is rio kind of one of those sort of cultural hubs where there's a lot of different types of people to begin with i mean my perception of brazil is sort of like that anyway because you know uh, for among the brazilians that i know the culturally it's very intermixed there's a lot of different types of people i'm sure there's still i know that there's still wealth disparity from the rich to the poor yeah but within those communities there's you know People of European descent, people of African descent, people of, yeah. uh, you know, South America or Mexico. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different cultural things. So I'm, I'm curious if that becomes a melting pot, like all that creativity over enough generations, you know, becomes yeah. like you get a little piece of everything to be yeah. able to to sort of grab and work from. So, like, I, I, I was looking at what you did in Portland and you did... Um, a series of like rock stacking things, which has kind of been prevalent in in your work in some way, like uh, in some of the sculptural stuff that you do. But you, it was, it's cool to see you paint it. So I, I wanted to ask you if you knew about like 
like historically rock stacking like it's it's cultural references and like for me I, i'm really interested in cairns they're called cairns c-a-c-a-i-r-n-s cairns None. which is like big rock stacks that were like monument spots so like in ireland they were really prevalent we ha- we actually have one there's an artist a famous artist who i'm not going to be able to remember their name from the 80s who down at the museum of fine art here in la jolla they have one that he built that looks like an egg and it's all rock stacks so i, I was just yeah. curious what what how it works for you i know that there's a lot of sea life and i i imagine there comes something from the smooth rocks that yeah, you, you may find on sure. the beach or like uh it's kind of a mix of different uh information that i got back in my life you know mm-hmm. uh first of all when i was a kid i used it to i used it to i i grew up in a like going to a farm like my old old um my grandfather's farm, uh-huh. and I used to go into the the forest a, a lot, and to not f- uh, feel uh, lost, you know, I used to do some stuff like uh-huh. little, which is exactly what the Cairns are. They're markers, so you know, like yeah. for instance, they would stack them where there was a water source. Yeah. So like if you were in the desert and you, there was one small spot where you could get water they would tend to be a big stack there. Or, like, if you needed to make a left, you yeah. know, to get to the right spot, they would build, or at a monument peak, like a peak at a monument, like this is the peak of the mountain here, they would build, you know, eight-foot-tall stacks of rock. Sick. And it would always be, like, sort of egg shape. Egg shape, like uh-huh. river rocks, right? Uh-huh, like yeah. The or, but I, I find stonemasonry fascinating in general. There's actually... In the eastern, I've talked about this on the podcast a bunch, but on the eastern part of the United States in New England and uh, like Maine and lower than that, maybe Rhode Island, there's a lot of old like megalith type rock structures that's all stone masonry. Like they, they found, you know, like miles and miles of all dry stacked stone masonry that, that build like these corridors, these what they, they call them wine cellar or um, root cellars. So obviously, like pre-electricity, they're putting all their food underground to keep it cool. But these things are like you know three-ton slab boulders that they're stacking up on pillars, like just as like interesting as Stonehenge or you yeah. know any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's imp- it's kind of impressive, right? Like it, it, I think it's it's instinctual in us somehow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we, it happened with me, like inst- with instinct. Uh huh. And after this. Uh, when I started to, uh, when I came to California, like connecting with California, you know, I, when I came, I saw these rocks again, you know, Uh there was a lot on one-on-one, like the, you know, the, the main, main road, Uh you know, and I, I, and I, and I, and I did like a little character, you know, I was very into characters and bombing things, you know, Uh like. And I did a little character, and it became uh, a sculpture, you know? Right. It became just because I did a face, and I realized it, it was a, a totem. Is this correct? Totem? Totem. Totem, totem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a totem. And I started to feel what that 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 object make with me. Like, I, I could see all around. The, this was the main thing, you know? Yeah. I could see 
around the, the object, you know? The three-dimensional, three three as opposed to what you were used to, the two-dimensional of painting or, yeah, or drawing yeah. or whatever. So for me, it was like an open window, you know, mm -hmm. like poof. And I started to look for, I, I always, my, my, like back to my family history, my dad uh, works with t-shirt company, like he, ha he has a t-shirt company uh -huh. and it, it got fire, you know, all over and he had to rebuild. So when he had, we had to, he had to rebuild, he didn't have money, you know, it was so expensive to rebuild everything from yeah, zero, sure. yeah, right. you know. So he did everything with old stuff, like vintage and like, you know, just trying to be creative, uh -huh. you know, because of necessity. Yeah. What's the, what's the, what's the uh, catchphrase? It's necessity is the mother of all invention. I yeah. think that's the, yeah. that's it. The that's adage. it. So for the me, same thing with the paint, right? Or the materials. Of which course. Yeah. A lot of the stuff you use is recycled, right? Like found. And yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, this this part came like uh, he he taught me you know mm -hmm. this I just looking and uh, it was like uh, I started to look for this this kind of objects because of him yeah you know? interesting and I started to collect but I didn't know what to do you know sure I knew I knew that I had a lot of a big collection but I didn't know what to do <laughs> so. I stayed looking for all of these things. I didn't have a studio on the, at that point. Right. And when I got, I decided to have a stu a place to organize all this. There was a lot, you know. And, I, and when I did the space, uh, it happens, you know. The thoughts and things, everything come, came everything together. Everything came together, right. Came together. It's weird how that comes out of like uh, a disaster or out of something that's inherently bad, like yeah, a yeah. business burning down. But it's sort of, and we see that in nature too. Like you always see like a burnt down forest and then like a couple like flowers growing up out of the ash. Like it's almost an, it's sort of a natural ebb and flow. Yeah, that yeah, happens. Sure. So then, how do you? Is it difficult for you, or is it something that just sort of, like you said, comes together in terms of making? things two-dimensional into the three-dimension so do you just easily start jumping into the sculpture building from yeah. there yeah like i use it i, I like to sketch a lot you uh -huh. know but i i realized that my my sketch doesn't work you know like i can't follow this the sketch because it's not fun you know <laughs> yeah it has to be fun right yeah it has to be fun yeah. it has to keep me uh, motiv my motivation like very high you know yeah. so basically basically is is to collect you know just look for them and they start to connect each other you know with time yeah if you go every day like every day looking for it's work it's kind of yeah. work and yeah. it's fun you know so let me ask you this do you in in collecting the things do you look at them like let's say like how somebody looks at a cloud and sees something in the cloud or do you look for pieces that you know will kind of work to the shapes that you want, or are you able, or are you just manipulating the things that you get to to build them into what you want? Do you know what I'm saying? Does like, that make sense? Do like, yeah, yeah. Like for me, I always take the things that catch my eye. You know, when my my you kind of know it. Yeah. Sometimes I look for that and I, and I say no, no. I go <laughs> doing 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 my thing uh -huh. and. Sometimes I came back and the, the the object is in the same place, so I it was 
I have to take it, you know? Yeah. So it's <laughs> kind of weird. It's a relation that you start to to have with objects, you know? Yeah. And it makes you look at your environment in a different way, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, my, I changed a lot of my life, like, b because of my dad, too. Because everything was, we could use more or do other, uh, give another... Um, Be more resourceful? It's not resourceful, like, change the way, like, for example, the letters. They have a meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Like the L has the meaning of to spell the, you know? Right. So you take out the meaning and change it, you know, for another thing. Reinvent you know? it? Reinvent. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Like reinvent something. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Like it's something that really mo gives me motivation, you know? Yeah. Do you ever feel Drives. like you, in traveling, do you ever feel like you do that? Do you reinvent yourself going from place yeah, to place? Yeah. Like I was, uh, this was something that I learned in Portland now. Uh, how is important to travel, you know? How I need to continue. Sometimes it's, it's kind of you know, a struggle, you know, because... Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. That's, I was just saying, like, I just po did a fo uh, Facebook post saying that uh, if I could, I would hang out with artists every day. It'd be fun. But the reality is we got to fucking work our ass off. Like, even if you work in a studio with somebody, you have to be like nose to the grindstone or like you really have to be focused on your work to get enough out there to make enough money to pay your bills and take care of your home yeah. stuff and to give you those opportunities to, to go travel and get the experience that's almost necessary to come back and do that work again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's there's it's like phases where you need to like be away from the work and just have experience, which is very different than a lot of other professions, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I really think that as much as you travel, you got more inspired, for sure. Oh, yeah, you know? there's no doubt. You, like, f f um, I really feel, feel like every day I wake up when I'm traveling, you know, I wake up and I feel, oh, man, I, it, I'm leaving, you know. So each second is very important, you know. Yeah, it makes you. Yeah, it really yeah. makes you feel and get take get out of your comfort zone is the most important, you know. Yeah, you ever go to Miami for Art Basel? No, I never. never. It's coming up in December. You should go. Yeah, I think you would yeah, enjoy it's a, lot a lot. Of my, yeah, it the area of the Wynwood district turns into a strange artist community. So normally it's like pretty like. A lot of crack sales, a lot of gang activity, like some gangster shit goes down, even though it's become more gentrified over the last probably like seven years due to Art Basel and these, their side fairs. It's not, it's not Art Basel, the fair, but there's all these smaller fairs that take place, which end up not even being all that interesting. The stuff that's happening out on the street, it ends up being what's like really the most interesting things that are going on. And you see yeah. everybody, like everybody ends up being out there. Like you run into people you know from all over the world, you know, or people whose work you've seen for a long time. And everyone's just painting on the street. Like it's like almost lawlessness to a certain <laughs> extent. Even though last year the police were really cracking down on people who were doing what looked to be illegal graffiti stuff, which yeah. is kind of, you can almost kind of tell like who got permission and who didn't. Yeah. But it's literally like two weeks of debauchery. Like, all the artists that are painting on the streets are all at the bar, at the same bar at night, the little place, you know, all these little nice Cuban restaurants. It's fucking pretty amazing. So I'm, yeah. I'm 
working on getting back out there this year. Like, if you get the opportunity, I would, yeah, sure. It's it's pretty fucking amazing. It's there's yeah. a lot of shittiness to it too. Like, there's I'm just gl- glorifying it mostly, but. Like, like I, I was thinking, like, on this Portland trip, like, how important it is to share, you know? Yeah. To talk, like, we're talking now. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get the opportunity a lot. Yeah. No. You, you only do by internet. And mm-hmm. sometimes internet is not that deep, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm afraid, like, what's going to happen with my nephew, you know? Yeah, right. Because he's iPad every, all, all the time. Oh, so yeah, yeah. He doesn't get get that deep like with relations like even just the tone of voice like we give like obviously i couldn't give you your tone of voice because i don't like i could guess but there's something about even hearing the sound of somebody's voice of getting to know them differently because sometimes if you're just reading things in your email box or whatever it's in your voice and it's almost like you're just kind of talking to yourself a little bit yeah even though you're communicating our brains are still kind of stupid. Like they don't, I don't think they process everything quite yeah. properly. And it's almost just like you're saying something to yourself. That's why I think people, it's dangerous to read. Uh, maybe dangerous might not be the word. It's unhealthy to read a lot of negative posts that people do a lot because on some level our brain experiences it. Like I could tell you um, red elephant jumping around a, a springboard or something, you know, like in your brain will like think about it and like build a picture of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Of so in the same way, like if you read, Oh, I had a shitty fucking day today. My boss is a dick lick and fucking, uh, my, you know, something else negative or whatever. You kind of are experiencing that just it, by reading it to yourself. Yeah. But it's different when you hear it from somebody else. If you hear somebody complaining or bitching about something, it's kind of like, eh. Like yeah. even though you might get a negative reaction by reading it, I think we have like a little bit of a blocker when we can like see the when we're not computing it. If that makes sense, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not doing the the computation in our head; it's just here, and we have a little barrier that we can block some of that negativity out. But with the internet, I don't think you, I don't think we do that as well because we're reading it in our head. Yeah, I think like um, there's way more things behind, you know the than that we look, you know, than what we see. So... Like, what people are saying have more depth, like, in a conversation or in on the internet? Like, you mean? like, like the material, material world, you know, and what's behind, you know, all the actions you do, all the things that you say, you know, like you, you were talking. Right. And... And I'm very interested on this this thing. Like what's behind, you know, to go deep on this. I think the the Indians, the most of the primitive uh, Indians, like in Brazil, I, I like to study about the the culture about the Indians. They have a lot, you know, about this. What's behind, you know, uh, your your action. Sometimes uh-huh. a, a, the if an Indian does something very bad bad action, he could kill. Uh, him, you know, her, uh-huh. he, himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I'm very into this because more and more with internet in this material world, you know, like it, you, you, you become to lose. Well, I excuse. mean, even we were thinking about that. We were talking even about Miley Cyrus, like all the hoopla about Miley Cyrus, like shaking her ass. And I was talking, like a lot of people were like, "Ooh, that's disgusting," or like, 
oh, look at her body looks gross or like all these different things that they were saying. But there was a second layer to what they really meant. Second layer. So like, yeah. So like a lot of women were really upset with it. But what they were really upset with to from what I perceive in my experience was that they didn't like how hypersexual she was. Like it made them uncomfortable because on some level we in the United States, we still have a bit of like a Puritan sort of hyper Christianity that makes uh, uh, has a, a bad light or like looks at sexuality in a negative way. And it's, it's stuck through our culture through like the fifties. Like even if you go back to fifties and like look at Alfred Kinsey's work, like, a lot of people had no fucking idea what was going on sexually because of this like repression and we see it lingering now even through generation after generation that like we're still really caught up on on sexuality and if it gets thrown in our faces a certain way yeah. we're like Ugh, we can't allow that but you know that all those people talking shit probably watch porn when they're of by course. themselves or whatever you know or with yeah. their spouse or whatever like and, and aren't as judgmental, you know? Yeah. But there, there's a weird judgmentality. Is that a word, Lex? Judgmentality? I don't judgmental. But I, I want oh, it to be oh, like you the want verb it to be of like, it. A, like a study of? Like the action of being judgmentality. judgmental. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, yeah, you're making yes. more emphasis you said on the it, I. You said it, so it's a word. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be the, I'll be the one. But no, so all those things, they all have this other rooted meaning, which, you know, it's always cause and effect everything yeah. yeah so like i i use this example of people who you know let's say like a child molester so often those people were also abused as a child and it sort of has a tendency to keep like playing itself out at what point it almost seems like everybody's a victim of something in some part of their life that makes them react a certain way yeah. at what point do we show compassion to those people and try to make an understanding of that second layer or do we just focus on the bad behavior and say, okay, we're punishing you because of your bad behavior? Like, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. There's always multiple layers of things. Yeah. And that's the internet is full of that. I try to read that a lot too. And sometimes I think we tend to overread it on the yeah. internet, yeah. which, you know, whenever somebody makes a passive aggressive post, like, oh, your art sucks, or like, <laughs> like where they're just not saying it to anybody, it's like, they talking about me i don't know they maybe they are like i don't fucking smash them yeah. or whatever you know like there's a there's always a little bit more to the game so when in your life did you start making things full-time was it is, is that what you do now yeah yeah for sure like i started very early like i started doing like in school in my classes like i used to I, i'm not a good drawing you know i'm not a good draw i don't know about lights and you know it's not sure. my i don't have that skills you know right but and you don't have to yeah there's no rules that's yeah i that's what what uh gives me drive you know right because yeah. i felt like i don't know how to to draw but i like and people <laughs> ask me yeah. to do so why yeah, not obviously if you connect with somebody that's what it takes i think like to be like enthu enthusiastic about doing it yeah two, two minutes, minutes. Yeah. okay is you really got to have somebody who who appreciates what you do and then pushes you to go further. Yeah. So we're actually we're running out of time. Lex producer Lex has to shut down. Um, to go to work. Yeah. 
You should Bummer. just tell your your boss to go fuck himself. <laughs> Dude, I would, but I got to I got to save that for the end of this month cuz I'm going to tell him to go fuck himself. Uh, I've been I've been telling him to go fuck himself for a while. Nice. <laughs> so, I'm like yeah. I don't want to get suspended yet. <laughs> All right. Well, um we just got to cut it a little bit short. Maybe we could plug where people could see your stuff. I know you're on the Facebooks and nice. the Twitter. What so, uh where can people find you? Uh Macido 3com Okay. That's nice. it. And uh, thanks, Producer Lex, for, for being on board again. Oh, no, thank you, dude. It's always fun. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks. Later. Thank you. One das coisas do coração Não consegue compreender E a mente não faz questão E nem tem forças pra obedecer Quantos sonhos já destruí E deixei escapar das mãos se o futuro assim permitir Não pretendo viver em vão Meu amor não estamos sós Tem um mundo a esperar por nós No infinito do céu azul Pode ter vida em Marte Então vem cá, me dá a sua língua Então vem, eu quero abraçar você meu poder vem do sol em a medida Então vem Vamos viver a vida Então vem Senão não vou perder quem sou Vou querer me mudar Para uma lá